you can manipulate me, but I want to be so emotionally invested, I don't notice it. Yes. <laughs> right? Can we put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> 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 oh, terrible. Welcome to Book Talk, Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we are sharing our thoughts on some books that have been recently released. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm excited to um, talk about our books today. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot (laughs) about my reading this week. Did you? Yeah, my reading preferences. Okay. This was a very introspective reading week for Ooh, me. Oh, I kind mm-hmm. of like that. Okay. I was a little bummed at first, a little bummed about a couple things, but I've turned it around and I, it's actually been a really productive reading week. And you're using it as a learning experience. Yes. Okay. Mine, I just, for me, inertia is key. And this is for true for a lot of things in life. Like if I'm going to the gym, I have to go three times a week. Otherwise I will never go. If I'm reading, I have to keep multiple books going or else it'll be really hard for me to keep reading. Like when we had the illness in our house, I didn't read for a few days and it was hard for me to like get back into the groove of it. Mm. So that is my takeaway. It's like, all right, if as long as I just keep swimming, if as long as I just keep going, <laughs> then I can, you know, get everything in that I want to get in. That's a great point. And, and it actually makes me think mm-hmm. about our book talk topic today, which is specifically Threads, the new social media app, Uh and in general, social media. I want to tie back in what you just said about inertia. And Mm -hmm. to me, that makes me think about content creation and consistency and posting. And those are struggles for me. So, (laughs) And that's exactly true. And that's how I feel like I've always said I grew my Instagram. I literally posted every day for three years on Instagram. I don't anymore. Incredible. But it just was a part of my routine and I enjoyed it. It's not like it was something that was taking a lot out of me. It was just, and also I'm balanced. So it's not, I understand, you know, I don't want anyone to get anxiety. Like, oh my God, that's so much. Like, no, like if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, you know, find what does. But inertia for me, just stay in that groove. And that's once I stopped posting every single day, that's when it was hard for me to get back in it, which I think mm. is interesting. Yes. Okay. I want to talk <sighs> about that. I know. I, I made talk. a note. I'm excited to talk threads with you. Um, I have a feeling we'll have different, we'll have a lot of, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we, what we have to say. About I think it. we have, I think we are, and we've barely talked about this because it, it just yes. launched yes. yesterday, right? At yesterday. the time of our recording yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really talked about it except for me messaging you and saying, do I have to confirm all these people separately? Yes. And we'll talk about that. But first, I am going to share my loving lately. It is a very niche product that will appeal to some people. It is a gel seat cushion for long bouts of sitting. And it is by, by a brand called Kismatic. So 
I've been having tailbone pain for months at this point, and and it's specifically when I sit for long periods of time. So I was like, all right, I got we got to figure something out. So Jonathan and I did a little bit of research, and we found there's this gel seating cushion by this brand called Purple. And I was like, all right, that's what I need. I need a gel cushion. I looked it up. It was like $100. I'm like, surely I can do better than, I mean, no, I feel bad for buying dupes sometimes, but I'm like, listen, I'm a babe on a budget. So I found a great dupe for this more expensive brand called Purple. Mine's on sale now for $30. And what's cool about it, it's this gel honeycomb insert. It's, it, it's also, I think it's pink or purple, but it comes inside a black cover. So it's not like super obnoxious when it's on your furniture. And because it's this honeycomb, it just kind of like cushions you when you sit, like your Mm -hmm. tailbone or whatever parts that are hurting are not touching the actual chair. And apparently the honeycomb design makes it to where you don't sweat. So, I mean, that's an added bonus. I'm a big fan. And honestly, when my tailbone is hurting, if I sit on this, it goes away literally right away. So it literally, it's, it's when I put pressure on it. So it's been nice to have around. I put it in my car. I like carry it around the house with me. Most of the time it's in my office chair. And other people like it too. It's got 3,400 ratings and a 4.3 out of 5 stars on Amazon, which is not terrible. And the price point is good. So I'm a big fan. It is a gel seat cushion by Kismatic. Oh, love that. Okay. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people who sit a lot with working from home, yes. right? And mm-hmm. back pain is one of posture and back pain is is such a problem when you sit for long periods oh, of time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it kind of makes me remember like, oh, you're sitting terribly, like straighten up, <laughs> sit mm-hmm. right, you know? <laughs> it's not on the one down here though. I should probably get another, but. Okay, good. All right. Am I loving lately? I am so excited to share this. I <gasps> have been it? loving this every single day. I recently got myself a window hummingbird feeder uh, with suction it. cups. Love with, it. With, it goes right on the window. Now, I love hummingbirds. And then after I read Better Living Through Birding recently by Christian Cooper, that kind of reignited my whole thing with birds, specifically hummingbirds. They're really hard to see, though, because they, mm-hmm. they're so fast, right? Yeah. Well, I ended up going to... Um, it's Wild Birds Unlimited, which they do have online shop. And here in Columbus, they have an actual store. And I went in, I was um, getting one for a gift. And then I was like, I'm going to get one for me. And oh my gosh, I bought the feeder. It's just a little feeder. goes right on your window. I, d- I was so skeptical. I was like, are you sure? Because also I have a cat. So what if the cat's sitting in the window? And the girl was like, no, they will like they love these. I I have one. They'll come. So I bought that. I bought the nectar mixture mm-hmm. that they that they sell there because it's I, it's just easier than doing homemade. And I bought a mixing bottle, and then you can just mix up a batch, keep it in your fridge. Tina, listeners, the hummingbirds come. It comes right to the feeder. I can I can stand on the other side of it and look right at it. We got pictures. Darren got a video um, on my Instagram. I'll post the picture, but we could see it fly. I mean, we were fly right in, land. You can see it's super long beak, everything up close. It's amazing. It is the best thing that I have bought in so long. Oh, fun. I love it so much. And 
the cat is often sitting there and it doesn't seem to, I don't know if it doesn't see the cat, but you know, they don't typically stop flying. Like we mm-hmm. have a video or a picture of them with their wings spread, but then it actually does sit on the feeder. Oh, wow. And so you can get a really nice close up view of it. I love it. I love it. Every two to three days. Well, actually, it's every three to five days you're supposed to clean it. Mm -hmm. Um, More if it's super, super humid. But I'm doing it about every three to five days. And that seems to do the trick. And then, you know me, it led me to Google all things hummingbirds. Now you're (laughs) an expert. I was like, how long do I, how long, you know, do they come? And so it turns out you're supposed to leave your hummingbird feeder up through mid-September. Oh. um, Because migrating hummingbirds, there might be some last minute stragglers coming down from the north. So leave it up mid to end of September. And I love, I love this. So it's a window hummingbird feeder with suction cups. Love it. I'm so glad you might've influenced me because we've got a lot of windows. You know, we got my bird feeder outside. I'm like, but I don't hummingbirds because it's different. Those are regular Mm -hmm. birds. So I would really enjoy it. Yes. Anyway, let me tell you about death. (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. Because <laughs> my, my latest read is called What the Dead Know, Learning About Life as a New York City Death Investigator by Barbara Butcher. I love this book. This hit every note for me. This was actually the book that got me back into reading after I took my break and lost my oh, okay. my rhythm. And it's because uh, Barbara Butcher worked for more than 20 years as a death scene investigator in New York City. And Butcher is her real last name. She talks about it, which is kind of cool. And I was so interested in her life. I got thinking, I'm like, maybe I can do like a midlife career change. Like, could I be a death investigator? And babe, no, I don't like to go places. <laughs> I'm not brave. And like, you know, I understand now, like that is not the path for me. But this was so fascinating. It's a memoir, true crime mashup. And I was hooked. Oh, yeah. Yes. So she, Barbara Butcher, she, uh, she talks about her 20 plus year career um, doing this type of work. But she got into it in a very interesting way. She was an alcoholic, and as a part of um, Vogue Rehab, she got assigned this job in the medical examiner's office in New York City and worked her way up. She had the type of personality I think you need with this adventure, you know, changing scenery, just all sorts of things matched up with her personality. And she was actually the second woman ever hired for the role of death investigator in Manhattan and the first ever to last more than three months. Whoa. The work was gritty, demanding, morbid, and sometimes dangerous, and she loved it. And she is very, she's a great storyteller. She takes you through the day-to-day in her career, and she's seen it all. Now, this book is very um, graphic in in the most respectful way possible. Like, you are, she's literally investigating what what happens when people die. So, Mm -hmm. and she tells you (laughs) what it, it looks like, so it's kind of visceral. So obviously, if you don't like medical stuff or true crime like that, this won't be for you. But uh, when I tell you I was fascinated, she talks about double homicides, self-inflicted deaths, and what they call naturals, like people that died of natural causes. And by the end of her career, she investigated more than 5,500 death scenes, 680 of which were homicides. And toward the very end, I didn't know this, it is in the synopsis, but she was working during 9-11. So she talks about that and just the unimaginable heartbreak they went through during that time. A great comp for this book is Working Stiff by Judy Melanick. I loved it. I rated that one five stars. I read it years ago. 
And Melanick was a medical examiner in New York City. And they actually know each other, I think, because I think Mm -hmm. Melanick advised on Barbara Butcher's book. I saw it in like the prologue. But the difference is, I was curious, what exactly is a death scene investigator? So the medical examiner is in the autopsy room. They're a scientist. They're a medical doctor. They're doing the actual science of it. Whereas a death scene investigator has to go to the scene of the crime after it's through and does an investigation into why the person died and collects any evidence related to the death. And so she then gives that to the medical examiner and like talks about she's the eyes of the medical examiner, boots on the ground style. So she's kind of this liaison between the police and the medical examiner. Fascinating. I did not know this was a career. I do recommend the audio. She narrates and it's just a great story. She taught, you know, it's a very, there's a lot of burnout in this type of career, but boy, oh boy, I just am fascinated by people that are able to do this type of work. I loved it. It was What the Dead Know, Learning About Life as a New York City Death Investigator by Barbara Butcher. Well, that's, yeah, that sounds fascinating. Oh my God, I was I was hooked. It was, it was gross, but like, I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say gross. It was just like, what happens, you know? So was she called on to the scene when with the police at the same time or after? Immediately after. So say like somebody discovered um, their you know neighbor had been de- dead in their apartment. The police mm-hmm. come and then she would get a call kind of as a part of that. But it, we, there's this tension between the police and the medical examiner because they, uh, you know, police have the way that they want to do it. Sometimes the police officers wouldn't let her in right away. And like they had to do secure the scene and do collect their evidence because they're trying to figure out who did it? She's trying to just say, okay, here's what happened. Let me collect anything I see and give that to the medical examiner who then does the autopsy to confirm findings. Oh, super yeah, freaking cool. Yeah, okay. it was really, really fat. When I tell you, I literally was like, should I do a career change? Like, I <laughs> I don't like science like that. I don't, I'm, I get grossed out, but I'm like, how fascinating. Like, it was, it's a really cool book. Oh, wow. Okay, good. All right. My latest read is You Should Have Known by Jean Hanf Korolitz. Ooh, yes. I know this is a very backlist book. I decided to pick it up now because I was scrolling through, I think it's Apple TV, maybe. I don't know, but I want to watch the series. And of course, I can't watch the series until I've already read the book. <laughs> Otherwise, I won't go back. So that's why this one jumped to the top of my list. And I ended up listening to this. It's about Grace Reinhardt Sachs. And she is living the only life she ever wanted for herself. She's devoted to her husband, who is a pediatric oncologist at a major cancer hospital in New York City. They have a young son named Henry. And she has her very own therapy practice. And it turns out Grace is also the author of her upcoming nonfiction book, You Should Have Known, a book in which she castigates women for not valuing their intuition and calls upon them to examine their first impressions of men for signs of serious trouble later on. Basically, she's saying, you should have known Mm. because here were the red flags and you missed or ignored them all. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's our fault. It's like, yikes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I guess to side a little bit with Grace, she didn't want that title, but her publishers, yeah. of course. Yeah, well, it's provocative. For market, right, for marketing. Yeah. And Okay, so weeks before the book is published, something happens in her own life 
things really go off the rails. There's a violent death, could be murder, of a parent at her son's elite private school. And there's a missing husband. And in the place of a man Grace thought she knew, there is terrible revelations, one after another after another. So what's left behind in the wake of a spreading and very public disaster is Grace deciding that she might just have to heed her own advice and dismantle her life and create a new one for herself. Now, that sounds like it could be a feel-good story. I do not, this was not a feel-good story. I thought this would be a little bit more psychological thriller, although I would call it a psychological thriller, but very slow character-driven as far as the pace goes. I did enjoy it. It is a nice mix of rich people behaving badly with elements of growth and changing because there are definitely parts about Grace that I did not like, but also there was something so compelling that I kept reading. The two words I could use to describe this are compulsively readable. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's something about this author's writing, because I love the plot, which was my first book. Yeah. Yes. There's something about her writing. I don't know what it is. I wish I could tell you, (laughs) but it is really easy to get sucked in. And then once you're there, despite having quibbles along the way, I still was into the story. I needed to find out what happened to the person that was murdered, that had involvement at the school, what was going to happen between Grace and her husband. Now, what we know about her husband tends to only come from Grace. I wish that would have been a little different, but it is what it is. Grace is wound very tight. She's a snob, for lack of a better term, and sometimes she's not very likable. What I especially did love was for the first part of this book, we get like a scathing look at Grace's world, which included the uber wealthy people on the Upper East Side of New York City. Love that. Love it. I liked it. This book made me think. The story made me think. Like I said, the pace was slow. My biggest criticism involved the fact that it was so long. Had there been tighter editing, I think the pace could have benefited from that because I was aware of several times where I was thinking, all right, I don't need to know all these details. Like, I got it. We were in Grace's head a lot. There's a bit of introspection throughout. At times I was okay. At times I I felt a little frustrated. But like I said, I was never inclined to DNF. I really, really enjoyed the sense of foreboding and the tension that the author was able to create. I actually really liked the ending. It seems like that was a bit divisive on Goodreads, but I I was there for that. I was there for the the first half and the last half. The middle is where you might have some issues, but if if you do, I say push through. This one is You Should Have Known by Jean Hanf Corlett. This was 448 pages. That is It sure was, and it long. was about I want to say 15 hours on audio. Yeah, that is which a is, chunker. Is, it's a lot. It did take me a good four or five days Yeah, because I, I just didn't have like large stretches of time. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. But man, I 75 pages could have been edited out of this. And I think it, 
I mean, I'm not an editor. What do I know? I know. You're like approximately 75 I just... (laughs) No, but I I have... I just feel like that, you know? I have one later. It's a kind of psych thriller. It's over 400. And same thing. I'm like, okay, got it. I'm totally... Listen, I got it. I'm with you. Let's mm-hmm. move along. The mm-hmm. adaptation is called The Undoing. Came out in 2020, and it's on Max, HBO. HBO. Max. Okay, yes. I knew it was. I knew it was because I haven't been on Netflix lately. I knew it was one of the others. Mm-hmm. Yes, The Undoing. Now, I did not check Goodreads until after I was done reading, but the consensus seems to be that the show is a lot better than the book. Oh, I really like the book, so I'm excited to get to the show. Awesome. All right. Well, let's dive in. Oh my gosh. I am excited. I, okay. Our, we're, for book talk today, we're talking about threads and I'm pretty pumped about this. You probably know what threads is by this point. When we're recording, it's a new social media app that came out yesterday. And what's interesting about it is that it's very much connected to your Instagram account. So it's embedded in it almost. You have the same username. You can't change your username. And the goal of threads, according to the company, is for it to be a space where people can have real-time public conversations with each other. One of my favorite things about this app is there's no DMs. Don't DM me. Don't be in my DMs asking (laughs) me for this, that, the other. It's They basically said... Let's put it all on main. Like, let's put everything on the timeline and everyone can see. And I kind of like that. Now, of course, it's connected to your IG. So you can still click on a person's Instagram page, DM them, of course, all of that. I signed up yesterday and I made Renee sign up as well. And it's very (laughs) much taken off, according to a New York Times article that we'll link to. Threads was downloaded more than 30 million times in 16 hours. And it's caught on so much that Twitter has threatened legal action against Meta because they're pissed. Mm-hmm. Snooze you lose, babe. I don't know. Anyway, Renee, I know you have an account. Have you had a chance to play with it yet? Well, I have. Yeah, I've looked at it. I've scrolled a little bit. I haven't posted anything. If you wouldn't have made me <laughs> get on it, I was hesitating because I just don't know that I can do another social mm-hmm. media platform. Yeah. I do like... I. Gosh, I'm hit or miss on Twitter. I here's what I like about Twitter: the authors. I really like the authors that are there. Now mm-hmm. I've been I've kind of creeped on Twitter. I used to post more than I post now, but I like the authors. I like the book stuff on Twitter. If that really moves to Threads, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I just can't keep up. I, I can't keep up with everything. You you don't My, need to. You don't need to read the yeah. whole internet. That's the beauty of it. Cannot. No, can't. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but I did see. I did see that Roxanne Gay is on Threads. I really I enjoy following her. Oprah's on there. Yeah, I'm. Cur- I'm. I love seeing what book people have to say in real time. Yes. I think that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes. It feels very much like Twitter so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My experience, and I had a lot of time to play with it yesterday. I had a long doctor's appointment, so it was like perfect timing because it kept me entertained for my three-hour doctor's appointment. I've really embraced it. It's been a lot of fun. In fact, I created my account, and it has a couple caveats, okay? We're not advocating you join it. We're not saying don't join it. We're just presenting it as a very interesting new way to talk to other book people. I love that it's tied to IG because I'm finding that a lot of people I follow that follow me over there, like, we can talk. We here, This is your personality. Because sometimes when you're looking at a book picture, 
I mean, you might read the caption, you might not. I like that there's no mandated visual component. You can mm-hmm. post pictures, but you don't have to. I like that aspect. And it's interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. It's just fun so far to see what people have posted. This I know turned you off and it was confusing to me as well. When you first create your account, you'll have like, I had like a thousand people pending to follow me. I panicked. I said, let me go through this later. Don't do that because, well, you can, but it'll go away. (laughs) You only get that option to like approve a bunch of people your first time you log in, as I understand it. Um, If you don't do it right away, then I couldn't find that page again. And I think some other users have had that same experience. So Mm. I went back and I said, forget it. Let me just, I'm going to follow all. So basically, I went in and just said, okay, if I follow them on Instagram, let me follow on threads. I don't care. And I figure if there's people that I'm like, oh, I still follow, you know, (laughs) if there's folks that I want to unfollow, it's okay. Like you can curate your feed. I don't get overwhelmed by that sort of thing. So I said, let me follow everyone. But if when you log in, if you have a lot of requests, that's why it's like an automatic thing where people can request to follow everybody they know on Instagram. So just note on that. I've been enjoying seeing the personality from people I already follow on Instagrams. I like that there are no ads. So far, of course, the ads are coming. People are still learning the platform. But I like, I've been embracing, it's a bit chaotic and I like it. It it really is this hybrid of Twitter, like funny Twitter, author Twitter, whatever side of Twitter you're on, but like also people promoting their Instagram posts. And it's cool because it's embedded. So instead of like, oh, you have to click on the link. It'll take you to the browser. You got to log in. You're just like, oh, what did Renee post today? You Mm -hmm. click on the photo if that person chooses to share it, and then you go right to their Instagram page. So I like that. I've also followed some people that I like don't, that I didn't know on Instagram because there doesn't seem to be a real algorithm yet. (laughs) It's just kind of like, here's some people. Some you follow, some you don't. Hey, hit like. Here's what I would like. I would like to see hashtags or lists, some way to search. I haven't found a way to really search anything yet. It's just kind of like, here's a splatter of everyone's thoughts about everything, which is kind of fun. One thing to be aware of, though, and I'm sorry I'm talking a lot. I have a lot of thoughts. No, I okay. you know more about what's (laughs) going on than I do. I'm listening. (laughs) Okay. One thing to be aware of, and you actually were the first to point this out, is you can't delete it once you start an account unless you also delete your Instagram. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I've had Facebook on my phone since I've had longer than I've had a phone. So that sort of thing doesn't bug me. Of course, you can delete the app, but you still will have an account. I would just encourage you to be a smart online person. Anyway, like think about what you post. Assume everyone can see it. Assume it's there forever, right? Mm -hmm. Just like practice good online habits and don't be terrible. I have found it to be a very fun place, like very welcoming. If you have any sort of inclination or want to use it, come on in. I love, again, there's no DMs. You don't overthink it. I would say just post what you want to post if you think it's funny. Like yesterday I posted, the older I get, the more I relate to Sebastian the crab. And like it was because it, <laughs> that was truly what was going on. I was watching Ariel. Sebastian's this neurotic character yelling about how reckless she's being. And I'm like, yes, you're right, Sebastian. And it was just funny. It's a different way to connect with people. Don't worry if people think you're weird for chiming in on a conversation that's going on. That's the point. We're all weird here. So anyway, that is what I've been up to. What do you, I don't know. What do you think about it? So you do have to, if you post on Instagram, it doesn't automatically go to threads. No, not at all. Okay. Absolutely not. No. So you can though. I think you just, 
In fact, I don't haven't done it yet. So I don't I've only mm-hmm. clicked on other people's posts like, oh, Kenzie Noel reads. I saw she had shared one of her posts on threads. I said, oh, what did she post? I clicked on it, took me to Instagram. I said, great. Oh, so there must be a way to connect it. There's a way to connect when it. When you post on Instagram. And I don't know if it's automatic. I don't believe at this point it is. I think it's something she might have said, share a post, copied the link and posted it in threads. So it's not automatic. Mm-hmm. It's not going to post for you. There's no, at this point, scheduled tweets. Oops scheduled threads. (laughs) That wasn't on purpose, but that is something I think we as a society are struggling Mm -hmm. with. Like, what do you say? I saw some conversation. So there's Bookstagram. I think Bookstagram came first-ish. There was Book Twitter. There's Book Talk. Now, what are we calling ourselves over there? I've seen breads, which I don't like. (laughs) Like book threads, breads. And then I think I've seen book threads. But I don't so know yet. That, TBD. that makes sense. Yeah. Now my now my one of my sons, who knows more about social media really than I do, said that you can't even make a th- like you can't make threads in threads like you can in Twitter. So I don't know. I don't know. That's what he told me yesterday. So I don't know if that's true. I don't know what a thread is, which is like there's kind of- a, in you can do threads in Twitter where it's just embed like people attach with uh like one thread would be lots of different conversation, oh. lots of different people posting to one post or comment. Yeah. See, like a you, thre- you are a, a better Twitter account. user than me. I never used Twitter. I was just on it to look at Bachelor tweets. So I don't know much about it. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I do believe that's true. This app is simple. Like it feels like someone designed it in like 2009. And I like that about it. Like it's very simple. There's no colorful backgrounds. It's just black and white tech. Like so far, so good. I'm very curious to see where it goes. But yes, mm-hmm. I don't believe there are. I know you can re-thread something. I'm having a really hard time right. not saying retweet. Because you want to say retweet. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of like, it's interesting. We're, we've got a new social media platform. Yeah. Like it's fun to kind of think about how this will change even just our vernacular, how we talk about it. I'm still, and I think all of us are still wondering like, how will I use this? Will I use this? You know, and I've asked some general questions like, oh, what are y'all reading? What are y'all listening to? And it's just fun. Also, I will say, I've gotten a lot of book recommendations I've never heard of. I'm like, I've never seen this book already. In my whole life. Really? Already. Because I hmm. asked, you know? Yeah. So I will say, so far, so good. I think it's been really fun. But, you know, do it if you want. If you don't want to, that's okay too. You know, we'll still be friends. I, we, I'm comfortable linking my thread handle? Question mark? I don't know. I, I'll link well, it, it in the show be, notes. <laughs> right. It would be exactly our Instagram handles. Yes. But they still have to on- find us somehow on threads. So we can share links if we want to. Mm-hmm. We also have a Book Talk, et cetera, threads account, which, you know, of course we will, that'll continue to evolve as we figure out this platform. Anything to add on that? Because I know you earlier wanted to talk about inertia and also social media in general. Yeah. No, I don't have anything to add on that. I'm still learning. I mean, I'm in the basic, yeah, the basics of learning. Um, it'll take me a while. Just I don't like. I'm not huge on change, so <laughs> I'm a big Instagram, Twitter. I don't even when I go on Twitter, it's to usually see what other people are talking about. Yeah, um, not necessarily to post a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Instagram's kind of my place where I'm more most comfortable. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I'll venture, I'm sure. I'll venture over. I also am really loving Substack. So mm. Substack has a notes 
section, which is very similar to this, yeah. which is very, you know, they're all very similar where you can just post, but Substack is different because there will never, there won't be ads, period. It's not, it's not for that. So it's very like writer friendly as far as just sharing things. So, and then it becomes, where do you spend your time? Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. And how long do you spend? Because yeah. it's very easy to go down these scrolling rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. I think that is true. They have a feature where you can say, okay, limit it to 20 minutes a day or hour, not hour, but like whatever. There's, there's features in there built in. I'm really good at multitasking. I'm good at compartmentalizing. It doesn't, like I can be doing things and looking into other things. Like I, it doesn't take a lot of time out of my day mm-hmm. uh, it, unless I want it to, unless I need a distraction and then it's been pretty fun. But yeah, it doesn't, I don't know. Okay. Well, I think really it'll be interesting. added any stress to my life so far. Okay. All right. Well, well it, I'll be watching as, as will everyone else to see mm-hmm. how the old cease and desist oh, letter know, from, <laughs> from Elon Musk goes. Mm-hmm. I think it maybe shows, it'll maybe it'll be nothing. Maybe it'll end up being nothing. But I'm kind of curious to see what happens. I think it'll be nothing, 100. percent I think he's scared. I think Twitter has done some things. They fired a whole bunch of people. They've kind of done it to themselves in many ways, and it's not brand new. He's had the company eight plus months, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's that similar to Twitter in terms of like it being exact an exact replica. There's also like 10 other platforms that guess what are pretty much exactly Twitter. Same thing. So it's not the only, it's not the first to do this. It's just the first to take off in the way that it has. I think Elon and Twitter, they're scared. Um, And I'm not saying, I don't care if you're on Twitter or not the greater you just, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying use one or the other. I just like, I like that there's no DMS because I can't tell you how many times I get on Twitter and it's like, I have a business opportunity for you. And again, this all of this could yes. change. Threads is brand new. Yeah. I will say, I will chime in one for this because I haven't had a, a lot of time to be on it. But when I did pull up Threads, what I'm seeing is all book stuff yes. right now. Same. Yeah. Which I love. So if you, yeah. I, do, I do think that obviously that's a lot of what I follow. So that's what I'm going to see. But that is very different than Twitter or Instagram, which I do find both to be very annoying with other things, Mm -hmm. especially Instagram and ads. So until hopefully the ads come, for now, I love just seeing books. And maybe somebody's talking about TV shows or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like things that other people are liking and enjoying. Mm -hmm. Very much book-centric. And it's, again, what I've loved about it is that I follow a lot of book related accounts on my Instagram and those people have carried over. But also I'm seeing people that don't have a bookstagram that follow me that I know, right? But now Mm -hmm. we're just interacting in a different way. It's not, they don't have a bookstagram, I guess is where I'm going. But they're on Instagram. But they're on Instagram and they talk books. They just don't share. They're not reviewers themselves. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I found it to be, I would love to connect with our listeners, our patrons, like find me there and Let's talk. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I might not respond That's right away. That's very true. Like, I ha- it's cool yeah. that I'm like talking to these people. It's like a public DM. I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. And, and guys, I'm Pollyanna. I'm like very excited about new things. Like this is a fun new toy. We might hate it in a couple of weeks, but we'll find yeah. out. But you know, that's true though. If you like 
being on Bookstagram, but you don't enjoy posting book yeah. pictures, which I would have to say I'm I'm probably I don't love pictures. Yes. This is probably a really great alternative. And you can do book reviews right in mm-hmm. there. Take a yeah. you know, take a picture, don't take a picture, say here's what I'm reading. This is what I thought. Like, it's going to be fun. Anyway, I want to wrap things up so we can share our new releases. Thank you for indulging me in creating (laughs) it. I actually saw as we're recording, I turned on my DM, my um, notifications just out of curiosity as it's a new platform. And I saw someone... tag both of us like, oh, I heard you and it's book talk talk about blah, blah, blah on the show. I don't know what it said because I haven't checked it. So okay, don't freak out, but people are tagging you because <laughs> I made you. Uh, oh my anyway. gosh. Okay. All right. Um, what do you want my two cents on inertia? Of course. Yes. Please. Okay. Well, actually it's what you made me think of is something I haven't thought of in that way, mm-hmm. which is once you stop sharing or posting or you even take like a long break, which is kind of how I operate on social media. It it is really hard to yeah. get back into anything. I admit I am not in any sort of rhythm, but I do try to channel you and tell me what you always say because I'm going to get the words wrong. I don't know. I think I just say done is better than perfect. That's what you say. Done is better than perfect. <laughs> because sometimes you just got to move on. And I don't, I am just, I can't fixate. Like that's how I'm able to operate in a way that makes me happy, that makes me productive, that makes me all of the things I want to be is, hey, it's done, right? And I'm not saying half-ass your work. I'm saying get to whatever work it is. Get to mm-hmm. a point where you're comfortable and you're like, great, post it. Don't overthink it. If I want to and I get a wild hair and I'm filtering and editing photos, awesome. Most of the time I don't. You know, I just kind of just get it up there and then see what happens. Evolve yeah. from there. Yeah. So done is what done I is say? better than perfect. I know. I <laughs> I have write the that concept. Down. I'll in put my a post head. it. <laughs> done is better than perfect. Okay, done is better than perfect. And to that end, I don't know if people are wondering, and this is kind of a, a one-off, but um, I will have a baby in September at some point. We're not planning an extended break. We'll likely have maybe one episode with a guest, maybe a bonus episode in place of a main show. I'm not anticipating a ton of time away from the show, if any. So Mm -hmm. I'm a little crazy. I don't know. And maybe (laughs) you're laughing at me listening to this at home, but I don't anticipate taking much time off from the podcast. In case you were wondering, you know, because that is, Mm -hmm. I think I finally come down to, oh, this is really happening. We've got 10 weeks. I know. <laughs> before, I know. You know, assuming a, everything goes to plan. Right. It's officially less than three months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two and a half. So, yeah. anywho. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good conversation. Um, give, it, <sighs> always, I hope always we've, fun. we've given people, the listeners, things to think about. And I don't know. Sometimes let us know what you think. Yeah, I would love to thread us up. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> that, whatever that means. All righty. Let me tell you about my first book. It is called Beware the Woman by Megan Abbott. And I was skeptical reading this because her books are hit or miss with me, but I'm so glad I did. This turned into my favorite Megan Abbott to date. This is an eerie psychological thriller about a family outing that takes a terrible turn. This one came out on May 30th, so still in the new range. And it's about JC. JC had a bit of a tumultuous childhood, a bit of a complicated relationship with her mother, She feels like she's finally getting things right. She's newly married. They've got a new baby on the way. And then she and her husband decide, let's take a trip up to the Upper Peninsula in Michigan to visit his dad. And his dad is a doctor. He's a retired OBGYN. They feel like, you know what? I'll be in good hands. 
should anything come up with this pregnancy. She wants to get to know his family better because they kind of got married quickly and they don't they didn't spend a ton of time with each other's family. They get there and JC immediately feels welcomed into this cozy cottage. It's very remote. It's in the woods. The people she meets have their ways about them. She's a little wary of the house manager, Mrs. Brandt, but all in all, things are good in the beginning. Of course, it's a psych thriller, so things take a bit of a turn when JC has a health scare. Um, so I will say, quick note, if you don't want to read about a pregnant person, if that's like something that could be upsetting to you, this is very much about pregnancy plus other things. So just make note of that. I really liked it because I thought Megan Abbott had such sharp things to say about pregnancy, how your body's no longer your own, how people will talk about you like you're not in the room. Very, very sharp commentary. And I felt seen, but like I know I'm a specific type of reader. So JC does have a health scare and all of the vacation activities they wanted to do are scrapped. Everyone's watching her, quote, condition, even when she's like, I'm fine. You know, whatever. She's got to pass the time somehow. So she gets curious and starts to learn more about Jed when he was younger. And the family doesn't talk about Jed's mom. His mom died when he was young and they don't really talk about her very much. So she starts to get curious and she starts to feel a little bit paranoid. She's feeling trapped. Like, I want to go out and take a hike. And they're like, no, you don't want to upset the baby, this and that. But everyone's like, oh, it's your hormones. It's your hormones. She's like, it's not. I still have a brain in my head. But are her fears worthwhile? Is it paranoia? Is it cabin fever? Is something actually going on? At first, I will say, I did not, I was like, oh, am I going to DNF this? No, it takes a while to get to the good stuff because you're setting it up. You're getting to the cabin. There's a little health scare. But then once you get there, I was in it. Her writing creeps up on you. It's so visceral. I've read a lot of her books at this point, maybe three or four. So her writing is pretty solid throughout all of her books. Some of the content I didn't appreciate. This one I really liked. It's visceral, unsettling, and it almost feels like a horror novel. You're like, what is going to happen here? Tensions run high. And I found myself beginning to like feel paranoid with JC, <laughs> like to trust her instinct. <laughs> The ending was the very best part. So I will say it's going somewhere. It'll get there. I freaking really had a good time with this. It was unsettling. I'm thinking about this. I should have put this on my favorite mystery and thriller of the year so far list because I really liked Mm. this book a lot. The more that I sit with it, the writing is what threw threw me off a bit because it's like gross. Some of the things I'm like, oh, you know, visceral. But there's some really good characters in here. And I had a good time. It is Beware the Woman by Megan Abbott. Okay. Interesting. Good review. Thank you. Okay. My first book is a debut, a new release debut. It is The Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer. And Mm. this is about Lucy Hart. And she knows better than anyone what it's like to grow up without parents who loved her. She had a childhood marked by neglect and loneliness. And Lucy found comfort in books, namely the Clock Island series by Jack Masterson. And in fact, for years, millions of children, um, not just Lucy, flock to read every new release in the Clock Island series. However, years ago, the reclusive, mega-best-selling children's author quit writing the series abruptly and under mysterious circumstances. Now Lucy is all grown up, She's a kindergarten teacher's aide, and she spends her free time tutoring students after school. When one of her students, seven-year-old Christopher, tragically loses both his parents in a drug overdose, 
she temporarily takes him in and realizes that she wants to adopt him. The problem is she lives with multiple roommates in a college house. She has no car and she doesn't have enough money. She's in tremendous credit card debt. So not a great candidate for adoption. But she is desperate to adopt Christopher and Christopher is desperate to be adopted. And then one day, the media is abuzz with the amazing news that Jack Masterson has written a new book in the Clock Island series. But there's a catch. There's only one copy of this book, and that much-coveted copy will go to only one winner, the winner of a game that only select people are invited to play. And not surprisingly, as it turns out, Lucy is one of those lucky people invited to travel to Clock Island and play the mysterious game that might lead to her finally being able to get money needed to adopt Christopher. But can she solve Jack Masterson's riddles and win the prize? Or is Jack Masterson plotting the ultimate plot twist ending that can change everyone's lives forever? Can I just say, I'm so, I can't believe you read this. I'm very... I'm with you. I can't believe I did. Hey, I'm glad. Yes, I am intrigued, or I was intrigued by the fantastical, like, elements. I wasn't sure what to expect. Also, I loved books as a kid. I read, it wasn't the Treasure Island series, because I looked it up, because I was like, what series did I love so much? I couldn't find it, but it was about kids who go to an island. Anyway, the nostalgic elements really kind of piqued my interest about this. And once I started listening, I did do this on audio. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I was really drawn into the story. I think this is a right mood, right story for the right reader, because you have to want to be in a situation where you have these um, very fantastical elements of fairy tales, because Jack is a very whimsical storyteller. He loves to tell riddles that borders on getting on your nerves at times. But there's also his illustrator, Hugo. He's on the island. He's British. Interesting character. So there's plenty of side characters to keep you involved. I was very swept up in Lucy helping Christopher. I'm, my background is in foster care. So Christopher was in foster care and his foster parents did their best, but they, you know, they didn't have time for him. And I think those, all of that together with the, the ode to books and reading and all of that, it really drew me in and it really kept me reading. And I mean, what's not to like about an island like Clock Island where there's potentially magic and just, I don't know. There was something about it that I really liked. But what kept me invested was finding out what Jack had up his sleeve. Like, what was the purpose? What was his intent? Would Lucy win? And if she didn't, what would happen? What would happen to Christopher? And this is definitely a feel-good story. This is a feel-good story. So if if you're in the mood for that, yes, pick it up. If you are not in the mood for, I don't know, being, it's a little bit of a heavy-handed feel-good story. It's a little bit too much at times. If that's not for you, hold off on it. 
Here's the thing that really that really got me thinking about my reading and what I like in my reading. I like everything that I've just told you, but you and I, Tina, recently had a little conversation about being manipulated by authors, mm-hmm. and we don't tend to mind that, right? We both mm-hmm. agreed that we right. don't. I felt in this story the level of manipulation so much that I became hyper aware of it, mm-hmm. and it bothered me. And pulled you out of the story. It pulled me right out of the story because I knew what was happening and I was aware of it. I prefer not to be aware of it. You can manipulate me, but I want to be so emotionally invested. I don't notice it. Yes. (laughs) Right? Can we put that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt? Terrible. That's what I want. But I noticed it in this story. And come on. I mean, I started to have these visions of memes in my head that said, come on. I know what you're doing when you make every single character's and and part of their backstory so traumatic and so over the top. Like as a reader, then I, it tends to make me not trust the story and I don't want to feel like that. So that's my biggest critique of this. I do not recommend the audio narration. Do not. I, I didn't enjoy it. I don't think the narrator was great with kid voices And remember, Christopher is seven. Not great. I felt like the narration was short and choppy and too breathy. That's my opinion. Oh. Yeah. It just didn't work for me on audio. Now, did I like the ending? Yes, I did. I mean, I did. (laughs) I liked liked it. There's definite plot. I don't want to say holes, but questions. But it's okay. I am glad I read it. If any of this intrigues you, ask yourself if you're in the mood for this, if you're not, but you might be at a later time, maybe in the fall, I don't then give it a try. But if you're in the mood for nostalgic story filled with a little bit of fantasy and and just a really feel-good story, then pick this up. It's The Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer. Good job. I'm glad you tried that. I am it's too. It's fun to try something a little bit different now and again. Yeah. It really like forced me to think about what was working and what wasn't working. And I think every now and then, as readers, we need to do that, right? Because right. sometimes it is really fun to have a slam dunk five star, but then I don't tend to like go deeper and, and try to, right, I don't tend to reflect mm-hmm. as much. Good good word. Yes. You know, I got a few left, few brain cells kicking around. Okay. <laughs> so I'll use them while they're still here. Uh, all right. Next up for me is Girls and Their Horses by Eliza Jane Frazier. Yeah, I love the cover of this. This cover is stunning. She always has the best covers, so that's why I was like pulled in, quite frankly. This one came out in June um, on the 6th, and it is set in the glamorous, competitive world of show jumping, and it's a mystery. Show jumping is with horses, in case you did not know, like I did not know, and this is about the girls who ride, their cutthroat mothers, and a suspicious death at a horse show. And I should say, I have absolutely no knowledge of horses, but the entire book takes place in the stables. So if you do love that world, I think you'd like this book even more. It reminds me of some of Megan Abbott's books in some ways. You know how Megan Abbott does ballet. She'll do a gymnastic. She has a cheerleading. Same idea. There's this mystery, this tension set in this very specific world. And the author is a horse girl. She, you know, that's the term. So I understand that this is probably very accurate. And it's what happens when the Nouveau Riche Parker family moves into an exclusive community in the heart of Southern California. 
They left their home in Texas for what they believe is their chance at a fresh start. And Heather Parker is determined to give her daughters the life she never had, starting with horses. So she's always wanted to be a horse girl, didn't have the money for it. And now she's like, great, now I can do this for my daughters. So she signs them up for riding lessons at this equestrian stable that is the top of the heap in terms of training, in terms of like being the most elite. Horses are a lifestyle. And Heather becomes a barn mom, a part of the group of wealthy women who hang out at the stables, drink wine, and prepare their daughters for competition. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. And it's not long before the Parker family is fully enmeshed because, again, they are rich. And when I tell you they're rich, they are rich, rich. So it's kind of fun. I was getting stressed by how much they were spending on these horses and the (laughs) accessories. And it is, there's mean girl clicks, there's barn romance, there's dark secrets, and there's cover-up. And again, you know someone dies in the very beginning because it opens with a detective interviewing somebody that was at this horse show. So you know that's coming and you're trying to work your way into figuring out what that was or who that was. I liked a lot about this. I thought the horse jumping world was fascinating. I'm probably, don't tag me if I'm calling it the wrong thing. I don't know. (laughs) I grew up, we didn't have horses when I grew up. Um, But I learned a lot and I learned that you have to be extremely, extremely wealthy in order to take up this hobby and in order to compete at this level. It's fascinating. Maybe not everywhere, but certainly in this particular side of the world. I love the tension between the moms. I love the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. The younger girls were catty too, which made for some very interesting characters. And throughout the story, again, you get this detective interviewing the different people and you're trying to piece together like what what's going to happen, right? Okay. I will say the the criticism is this book is too long. It's over 400 pages. And I really felt it toward the end But the chapters are super short. I'm talking a page to three pages each. So you're flipping through, you're flipping Mm -hmm. through. Maybe I could have done with one less POV. All in all, I still really enjoyed this. I was satisfied by the ending. But, you know, give it a shot. If you like the first couple of chapters, if you get sucked in, let yourself be there for the ride. I did do most of this in print. I did a little bit of the audio. Nothing noteworthy, but nothing distracting either. So this was Girls in Their Horses by Eliza Jane Brazier. Okay, fun. Okay. Yeah, I know nothing about the horse world. So that would be interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. All right. My last book is The Lie Maker by Linwood Barkley. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is a straight up thriller. This is about Jack Givens. And in the beginning, in the opening scene, we learn very quickly, Jack is a kid and his father is being taken away, but not before he says to Jack, your dad's not a good person. Your dad killed people, son. And Jack knows his dad is leaving and his dad is not coming back because it turns out Jack's father is taken away, put in witness protection, and Jack's mother has decided she is not going. So she and Jack are staying back and they are going to continue on with their lives without him. So Years later, Jack is a grown man, and he has a few problems of his own. He's a talented but struggling author, but he is barely scraping by on the royalties from his moderately successful first book. So when one day a U.S. Marshal approaches him, he is intrigued because with the U.S. Marshal is a very lucrative opportunity. 
And that opportunity includes a writing position for them. So it's right in his wheelhouse, and he feels like he's in no position to turn them down. What they ask him to do is to create false histories for people in witness protection, people like Jack's father. So he automatically thinks, okay, if I do this, I might be able to have them connect me with my dad. I might be able to find out where he is and and what's happening. Like, is he still alive? All the things. Except there's one problem. Jack's father hasn't made contact with his handlers recently, and they have no idea where he is. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot going on in this story. Too much so, in my opinion. Um, I did a combo audio and ebook. Another unfortunate time where I did not like the audio narration, and it, which is surprising because this is my fourth Linwood Barkley book. All of the audios have been excellent. This one was not. The narrator was very monotone. Like, it, he was reading, just reading versus performing. <laughs> I like, think hello? we've gotten spoiled with audiobooks. <laughs> we we've gotten yeah. spoiled. There was a lot of characters to keep up with. But here's the thing. Even though I, I had a feeling that I was struggling with this, I was struggling to keep track of what was happening, I still am invested in his writing style. I still wanted to know what was going on where was Jack's father? How was this all going to go? So that, for me, that's enough to keep me reading, whether or not I'm necessarily enjoying the structure of the whole thing. I think this is a good bet for people looking for a, just a straight-up summer thriller. If you don't mind all the characters, if you don't mind the quick back and forth, now, as one advantage, there are very short chapters the disadvantage is you have to pay attention because there's a lot of different people coming in and out and, and flip-flopping. Um, this is not a, a hit to the story per se, but Jack was by far one of the dumbest main characters <laughs> I have come across in recent thriller or mysteries. I would prefer not to be smarter than the main character who's trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. I'm not a great detective. I've said that a million times. And I had quite a lot of this story figured out. So my final stance on this is it's fine but forgettable. It's going to work for a lot of people. (laughs) But I'm probably not going to remember much about it by the end of the summer. All that Now, I'm saying that, but I will absolutely still pick up the next Linwood Barkley, and I'm still working on his backlist. So it's it's fine. It's just one of those times where the thriller did not work out. So it's The Lie Maker by Linwood Barkley. Fine, but forgettable. Put that on my tombstone. (laughs) 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 That's great. All right. Good Uh, review, though. And a fair balanced, you know, there's and sometimes I do just want like, all right, just tell me a silly story. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just if you want to be in a thriller, there's nothing like you can you can have that with that. Mhm. Mhm. All right. My shelf edition I'm so excited for. It is Boys in the Valley by Philip Fercasi. I got this recommendation from friend of the show Courtney at Birdie and Bookland on Instagram. Listen, this is horror involving children. So if you don't want to <laughs> read about that, please don't. However, the comps are Exorcist meets Lord of the Flies. I mean, that's pretty uh that got my Ooh. attention. Mhm. It's set at St. Vincent's Orphanage for Boys in 1905. 
and a group of men show up one night with a man who is severely wounded. He's covered in mysterious symbols and ultimately dies. And when he dies, he unleashes something demonic in the orphanage. Mm. I'm whoa, <laughs> creeped out. That's all I needed, really. Courtney said this was very cinematic. And one of the best and most intense coming-of-age books she's ever read. This comes out on today, the day we're dropping this episode, July 11th. I might pick it up this same day because I'm I'm ready. I want to be spooked. Tell me more. So this book was Boys in the Valley by Philip Francassi. All right. My shelf edition is Meet the Benedettos by Katie Catugno. Comes out December 5th. And Katie was the author of Birds of California, which I read last year and really liked. So that is how this came on my radar. This is basically being billed as the Kardashians meets Pride and Prejudice. Okay. (laughs) Do we need to know anything else? This is about the five Benedito sisters. And they move into a crumbling McMansion in California And they move in a few years after their reality show, which like skyrocketed them to pop culture fame. The show has like broken up and they're kind of teetering towards losing their fortune. Sounds like their lives might be in the dumpster, if you will. Um, But their fortunes brighten when Charlie Bingley, the dashing star, of Captain Fantastic moves into the neighborhood with Will Darcy, his best friend from Juilliard, in tow. I'm just going to leave it there. There's a there's more in the synopsis, but I think that's enough to know. Drama is going to happen. You've got five sisters. You've got two guys. Drama is going to happen. I'm here for it. The Publisher says this is a fresh and modern tale about a family that's quote unquote famous for being famous. And I am all here for that. It is Meet the Beneditos by Katie Catugno. That is a tongue twister. Meet the Beneditos by Katie Catugno. Yeah, I've probably just said it three <laughs> different times each time I've talked about <laughs> that's it. Okay. But <laughs> that's all right. You did it. You did great. Oh, all right, everyone. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and on Threads. Follow us there too. Just kidding. (laughs) It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Also, don't act like you don't like it. You love when we make fun of Twitter.com and its very dumb owner, Elon Musk, who paid $44 billion to become the most unlikable person on the planet.